Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. With me is Maxime Bernier, the leader and founder of the People's Party of Canada. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Lorena. I'm very happy to be here. It's an honor. And for people who maybe aren't familiar yet with you or your party, what would you say are the defining principles of the PPC? Yes, the four pillars are individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. And all our policies are based on these, these principles. And I think that's why we're doing politics differently. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a ton of different, I guess, policies your platform has commented on. The first one that I want to touch upon and one that I think is an increasingly big concern for Canadians is immigration. What is the PPC approach toward immigration? First of all, as you may know, we're the only party who wants fewer immigrants, uh, but we want more economic immigrants. Actually, right now, this year, uh, Canada will receive 310,000 immigrants this year, and in two years from now, that will be 350,000. Uh, but only 26% of them are economic immigrants. So a, a person, a woman or a man that is coming here with a job because uh, uh, the entrepreneurs in, in this country cannot find a, a person that would be able to do that, uh, that job. And it's great for our country. It's good for uh, the prosperity of our country and it's good for that immigrant. So we want more uh, economic immigrants instead of 26%. Uh, it would be 50%, but instead of having uh, 350 in two years from now, that would be a maximum of 150,000 immigrants. So that's important. And we uh, want to be sure that these people will be able to have a face-to-face uh, uh, -face -face interview with our uh, civil servant in Ottawa that are in charge of the immigration department to be sure that uh, these people share our values. I think that's important. We did that actually in the past, uh, but now with the, the reform that uh, the liberals uh, brought forward, uh, we don't do that anymore. Now, what kind of criteria specifically would you look at when you're screening what these, I guess you refer to them yeah. as economic migrants would be? Because the line that we so often hear from the Liberal Party, Conservative Party, really a lot of people who are pro-mass immigration is that any immigrant is an economic <laughs> boon. Uh, you know, they're going to come over here, contribute to the economy. How would you break that down specifically um, to make sure that Canada is getting the best of the best? Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to do that. We're not doing that right now. I'll give you an example. People who are crossing our border in Quebec, uh, Roxham Road, uh, they're illegal migrants. And uh, that's a cost for our society. Right now, it's about $300 million. So we want to be sure that the people who are coming can have a job. But for the real refugees at the same time, we're very generous in Canada. We want to help the real one. And I don't believe that the person that is crossing the border coming from the state of New York, that their life is in danger. So we will stop that. We won't have that anymore, but we'll help the real refugees, the uh, Christian minority in other countries that are uh, in danger. So that's, that's what we did in the past couple of years ago in this country. We must go back to that. But all the other immigrants that are coming must be based on, on, on points. And we have a kind of a point system in this country. If you speak English or French, you have more points. We did that in the past, but right now we don't have that anymore. So it's time to bring back what we did the best in couple in a couple of years that uh, that we we did that couple of years ago and we have to go back to that Mm -hmm. I remember we've done videos about this before. I think historically, the average Canadian immigrant was more likely to have a college degree or advanced degree yeah. than a native Canadian. Of course, things have kind of changed and shifted lately. The number you threw out, is it 100 or 150,000 immigrants? It would be between 100,000 and 150,000. The maximum is 150,000. And, uh, and 
when you, you when you speak about immigration, there's three kind of uh, uh, immigrants. First one, the economic immigrants, so that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Second one, you have the uh, reunification of family, and so we uh, we won't have uh, immigrants coming under the reunification of family. Uh, if a person can come, it must uh, it must come under the the point system. That's important. And we have also the refugees. So the refugees will still have that, but will help the real refugees. So if you are coming to Canada and you want to work here and you have a job, that will be perfect. But if you want to ask your 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 uh, extended family, your your parents. Uh, they won't allow to be there to be here under the reunification of family. It will be only your your immediate family, your wife or or or, uh, or if it's a lady, your husband and also your children. That will be okay. But right now, when we have an economic immigrant, that person can come with their immediate family, and that's okay. But also the extended family. So brothers, chain migration. Yeah, it's a kind of a chain yeah. migration. So we'll stop that. But we'll, uh, we understand that it's important to have the immediate family with, with uh, the immigrant. And I think we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to accept that. Uh, but we, we must understand that a person who is coming here, they left behind something. And that's their personal choice. And they want to come here for a better life or sharing our values. And that's perfect. And they have the right to come here with their immediate family. We'll do that, but not the extended family. Mm -hmm. You mentioned sharing Canadian values and in an interview, maybe ensuring that any immigrant that comes does share Canadian values. How would you define Canadian yeah. values? Because yeah. we're living in an age where some people are even questioning whether Canadian values <laughs> exist and can be an objective criteria. Absolutely. Yes, Justin Trudeau <laughs> said that there's no core Canadian's national identity. Uh, as you may know, I don't, I don't share that. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's wrong saying that. Uh, the most important is uh, respect and, and tolerance and also the uh, equality be, uh, before the law, equality between men and women. But also one of his important values, it is the separation between the state and religion. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we have a strong legislation in Quebec uh, brought by the provincial government. Uh, so that's a provincial debate. I want to speak about that. But it is a fact in Canada that we have a strong separation between the state and religion. So uh, these people who come here must share, must share these kind of values. And and our values are the, the, the same values in the Western civilization. So, you know, uh, uh, that's why it would be important to have an interview. And if uh, we know that a person won't share our values, but they won't come here. They won't be welcome. Now, when I hear a platform like that, it reminds me a lot of the, the kind of opinion that is unfortunately called racist, intolerant, um, you know, hateful of diversity nowadays. What's your uh, opinion on that? Because a lot of people would say that, hey, tolerance, acceptance, openness, diversity, those are Canadian values. Uh, what would your response be to that? Yeah, diversity, it's part of our country. Yes, I said we are a diverse country. People came here from different ethnicity, different backgrounds, and that's great. They created that country. Francophone, Anglophone, First Nation, and after immigrants from Europe, from Asia, from Africa. So, yes, but what I don't like, it is the extreme diversity. Always more and more, we must celebrate what unites us. And so, yes, <laughs> when I did that uh, announcement on our immigration policy, I was in Toronto, and the crowd over there, 
was diverse with different ethnicity, and I was proud of that. So that's our country. Yes, we are open, but we want to be sure that these people will share this value, and I want this country to be like that in 25 years. So let's have that discussion. Yes, we are open. We are open, but we're, we're not for mass immigration. And this country was always not for mass immigration. And we're not anti-immigrants. So we just want to have fewer immigrants and being sure that these people, that would be important for an immigrant to integrate our society. And the best way to do that, it's when we have a job. So yes, we are open. Yes, we are a diverse country. I don't have anything against that. That's great. We must we must uh, celebrate the, our, our, our history, our culture. That's important. But I don't want the federal government to spend money to celebrate uh, every div, uh, every ethnicity in our country. That's great. They can do that. But we, the taxpayers must not, must, must not pay for that. They must pay for celebrating what unites us as a country. Mm-hmm. Now, in regard to the idea that the PPC isn't anti-immigration, they're just for moderate immigration, mm-hmm. a lot of people may say that the number 100 to 150, that's significantly lower, hundreds of thousands of people lower than the current numbers. Uh, do you think that that's an extreme approach? Is that too much of a cut? What exactly led you to those figures, which are so much lower than even what the Conservative Party is offering up? We don't know what will be the official number. We, that's why it's a bracket between mm-hmm. 100,000 and 150,000. But the most important, I'm listening the private sector. And right now, when you have only 26% of immigrants uh, that are economic immigrants, that's uh, too low. So we need to have a little bit more. But we fix that number uh, because we, we look at different uh, different data in this country. And if you have 200, uh, and 250,000 a year, so in five years, you, you have a million new Canadians. We're only 36, uh, 37, 36 million uh, people here. So we need to be sure that these people will be able to integrate our society. And maybe we'll look at our number uh, down, down the road. But right now, I think it's reasonable to ask for uh, 150,000 maximum a year. Mm-hmm. Would that number be inclusive of things like refugees? Yes, yes. Yeah. But right, you know, we the illegal migrants that are crossing the Roxanne Road uh, for the uh, for the last two years, they were forty two thousand people. So we need to stop that. But at the same time, we'll have more economic immigrants. Uh, the reunification of family they increase that by five thousand a year to. 20,000 a year, the liberal government. Why? Because they're pandering and it's good in some writings and they want to have the support over there. But that's not looking for the whole country. So that's why, you know, the reunification of family, we we don't need that. If if these people can come, they must come under the point system. So we have a huge number, but we don't have a lot of people who are contributing to the society right now when they are coming yes they will contribute maybe in 20 years from now in 15 years from now but it's a cost for this, the society when you have some uh, person that is coming here without a job and as part of those people i guess you mentioned illegal immigrants now yeah. for me for, for just saint Trudeau, they're not illegal right that, yeah. that's what i was going to say yeah. now illegal immigrants isn't even necessarily what a lot of people want to call them we saw that first it was undocumented yeah. now it's irregular yeah. immigrants this is a conversation we see going on with our you know southern american friends as well the question of border security yeah. for these people who are coming through they're not coming through official ports of entry yeah. um maybe they're claiming they seek asylum what do you think should be done with those people first of all uh uh, I'm, I'm, when I'm looking at that, 
it is, uh, it is not good for our country because we want our immigration system to be sustainable. And when we have people who are crossing our border like that, not in the official uh, port of entry, and, and we have a border for our security. So if the, these people want to come to our country, they, they just have to cross at the official point of entry like everybody. But they're not doing that. And they're not doing that. Why? Because Justin Trudeau said everybody is welcome to our country. And that's not the history of our country. So what we must do, we must, uh, we must have a strong signal to tell them that if you want to come here, cross at the official point of entry. And what we want to do, it we can build a little fence over there. Uh, you know, why crossing in the woods? Cross at the right place. And so that will be important. We're going to build a little fence over there and people will have to come. And we will say, if you want to come to Canada, at the official point of entry. But they don't do that because they know that they're coming from a safe third country, the U.S., and they won't be uh, refugees in this country. So that's why we need to have a new agreement with the U.S. and fixing that third uh, safe party agreement. Uh, and we have to declare our border uh, an official point of entry everywhere. So like that, uh, if they are crossing, uh, they will come from a safe country and they will have to go back to their safe country, to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the issue of refugees, I think, is a larger part of the immigration debate than it's ever been. Canada, we did a video about it, actually last year took in more refugees than any other country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more than the U.S., and yes. they're 10 times bigger than us, and more than all the European countries. So, you know, we can save, we cannot save the world. Well, what would you say to people who think that maybe we should at least try as much as we can? Doesn't Canada have a moral obligation to take in more refugees? A lot of people say, we're rich, we have all of these resources. Why mm. not just take in as many as we can? But, we, but we, first of all, we must, we must help the real refugees. Like I said in the beginning, these people are not real refugees. I want to help the real one who are, who are waiting in a refugees camp in, in, in somewhere. And so we need to help them. And yes, we'll be, that would be important. But we cannot save the world. We must be, uh, you know, we cannot have every year accepting more refugees than the U.S. and then all European countries. We have to be uh, honest uh, about that. And so that's why, yes, we'll be there. Yes, we'll help the real one, but fewer of them. That's it. In your opinion, uh, we see this more and more, the term refugee being applied to people from, for example, South America who are maybe fleeing extreme poverty. Yeah. Uh, what would your opinion on the definition of refugee be? Because a lot of people might say, uh, you know, Yazidis persecuted Christians, any minority groups, for example, maybe LGBT in the Middle East. Yeah. Those are refugees. For me, the, those are real refugees. Yeah, because yeah. The, the definition of the word is now being applied to, it seems, almost... Yeah anyone who's not from a Western country. Yeah, absolutely. And and they want a better life, and I can understand that. But the goal is not like the UN uh, having a, a migration compact. Uh, they are doing that. And for, for the UN and for some countries, it is normal. And we must uh, welcome uh, all these people that want a better life. But the goal for us is to be sure that in, in, in their countries, they, they will be able to uh, live safely. And that's the most important. I think a person wants to stay in their country if it's safe and they have economic opportunity. So we need to, to do that, not to say to everybody, you know, uh, everybody is welcome in Western uh, countries. It, 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 you know, what's happened right now in France, in Belgium, in UK, they have huge challenges to integrate their, their migrants and immigrants. So that's why we must help the real one. And these people who are coming for a better future, I can understand that. 
but uh, that's not our role. The, that's why I'm against the migration uh, compact, and uh, and it is too important. We must write our our legislation immigration uh, uh, here in Canada and not in the UN at the UN. Um, I'm glad you brought up the UN because that's a topic we talk about a lot on this show. Canada did, like you mentioned, sign on to the UN Global Migration yeah. Pact. The US did not. And actually, since the border issues the state yeah. is going through right now, people at the UN have actually called on Canada to take in even yeah. more refugees because the US is kind of shutting their system a little bit lower than what it was before. What role do you think the UN has to play in kind of commenting, maybe even determining Canadian immigration policies? I, they don't have any role. For me, they don't have any role. And when I'm saying that, people are asking, oh, Maxime, you know, we can sign that compact. It is not binding. But, but the question is, why saying signing something if you're if not you, going to do it? Yeah, if you yeah. don't want to follow it and then do it. Yes, uh, it, it won't be a UN civil servant that will come in, come in Canada and write our legislation on immigration. But that will be a Canadian civil servant that will write a new legislation in line with that compact. And no, we, we're a sovereign country and we must uh, have the full control of our immigration system like we had in the past. Mm -hmm. I like how in regard to this conversation around immigration and refugees, you mentioned developing other countries so hopefully they become one day a safe place where people can yeah. stay. Um, that kind of brings us into the issue of foreign affairs and aid. The Trudeau administration has been kind of famous, famously generous with Canadian money, um, you know, very, very with your money. To, yeah, exactly. With all of our money, uh, he pledged, I think it's 400 million. And, you know, there's been tens of millions other places going to other countries. Uh, if you are someone who says, hey, let's try to make sure other countries can develop themselves. Do you think that foreign aid, like the Trudeau administration has been doing, should play a part in that? What are your views? First, first of all, we must say that the Trudeau government is is doing that, giving a lot of our money to other countries. First, it's to buy a vote, buy a seat at the UN Security Council. He wants to be sure that Canada will have a seat at the UN Security Council. For me, we won't try to do that, and that's what that's one of the reason why why he's doing that. But also the other reason uh, he uh, he wants to fight climate change in Africa so 2.3 billion dollars so all this money that is coming outside we must help Canadians first and put our country first that's part of our platform so we won't do that we can save around four billion dollars a year and and you know it's not normal that we don't have running water in a reserve in Canada and you have people who live are still living in a, a huge poverty in some reserve so we must help our people first but yes, were generous. Yes, if something happened in another country, Canadians must help and be there. But not to build road in Africa, not to give money to a, a Chinese development bank in, in China that will build uh, pipelines in, in, in China. <laughs> and actually, the relationship with China also, why giving them money to build an infrastructure bank and they will be responsible of that and, and fighting climate change and building roads in Africa. So we're against all that. But we are for helping our other countries when they will have and if they have a humanitarian humanitarian disaster or a challenge or environmental crisis we we can we can be there we can help but not to be a role so we can save a lot of money and bring that money back here in our country well we're gonna pivot a little bit because one of the i guess principles outlined in the u.n migration pact is actually tackle, tackling hate speech yeah. <laughs> against immigrants yeah. and that leads us into the whole discussion of what exactly free speech means 
in Canada as someone who's, you know, hopefully for a very long time in the future going to have a prominent role in the federal government here. What do you think free speech means in Canada? Uh, free speech, it's uh, you, you, you must have the right to express your point of view. And if somebody doesn't like your point of view, it's okay. You know, you're not there to speak and try to please everybody. And that's, that's the basic of our democracy, having debates. And now uh, the, the, the traditional politicians are using a speech maybe to, uh, against free speech uh, because they don't like what some people are saying. I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the Trudeau government wants to bring a new definition of hate speech, uh, and that new definition would be larger. And if I'm, telling, if I'm saying something that you don't like, maybe you can complain uh, to a Human Rights Commission. Uh, we don't want that. We, this country has always been free to express, and people are, were free and are free to express their point of view. So they want to do that, but we have a definition of hate speech in the criminal code, and that's okay, and we don't need to have an, another definition. So for me, if you live in a real democracy, you must be able to have debates, and I must say something, I must uh, maybe insult you. You think that I'm say, saying something that you don't like, and it may be an insult for you. You know, that's that's uh, there's no safe space. <laughs> there's no safe safe space uh, in this country. People must be able to express their point of view. And I'm, I'm looking at what's happening right now. It's a little bit uh, uh, I'm worried about the future of uh, our free speech in this country. Well, what I hear so much from people, politicians, especially, is that we believe in free speech. But <laughs> yeah. don't we have a responsibility to protect, uh, you know, vulnerable groups, maybe uh, minority religious groups, uh, members of the LGBT community? Yeah. Don't they have a right uh, to be free from discrimination? So how, how would you respond to the claim that free speech is amazing? However, Canada maybe also has a responsibility to protect these groups. Yeah, we have a charter of right for that. We have a charter of right, and yes, there's no discrimination. So, so we don't need to bring a new legislation. Uh, and if there's a discrimination, that person can be uh, sued and put in from the, the, the tribunal. So, so we don't need a new tribunals. We don't need these kind of human rights tribunal in every provinces in every province that we have here in this country. So, yes, uh, you know uh, these minority. Uh, they have the right to express their point of view, and that's perfect. Uh, but w when we are for free speech, we are not against some minority. Actually, the, uh, if you extend that concept of a minority in this country, the real minority, it is the individual. It is the person. It is the individual. So when we speak about free speech, we are speaking for the individual. That's the ultimate minority in this country. And I want these people to be able to express their point of view and being tolerant and being respectful also. But if something happens, we have all the, we have the charter there here in our country to protect uh, these uh, minorities. I, f I feel like as someone who covers global news and politics, a lot of the stories that reference Canada that really make it big on the international stage are things like the Jessica Yaniv situation, where we have a trans individual uh, suing someone for not wanting to, I think, perform a bikini wax yeah. Yeah, on yeah. their area. You know, we've also had, uh, you know, bills like C-16 that have come up in the news. You're politically correct, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, she's litigious. I want to yeah, yeah. be careful. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, 
uh, Canada has also had uh, pronoun issues come up in the matter of legislation. Do you think bills like this or laws like this, individuals like this are representative of Canada as a whole? Because I feel like as someone who, you know, is is a regular Canadian, is friends with regular Canadians, it's almost as if the, the everyday people that I meet, my friends and families, when I tell them about the crazy things that are happening in our politics, they almost can't can't believe it. And, and I can I cannot believing also believing it also myself that we are there in this country right now, and I, I didn't know that that's not the reputation of our country. We want another reputation, and and all these uh, uh, I'm gonna say extremists uh, that are using legislation to 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 sue people when you don't want to do something. You know, we're in a free country, and and if you have a, a business and you don't want to do business with a person that that's the free market that's we call that the capitalism system you don't oblige to do business with everybody and now these people or that lady or that guy uh, was asking some people that oh i want i want to force you to do business with me so that's not a free a free country and it's too bad that these kind of news are all over the world Mm-hmm. And so the kinds of opinions you're expressing, they seem, I, I think, very mainstream, what the average person might agree with. Polls seem to suggest that that's true. Average Canadian wants f- like fewer immigrants or the same, definitely not more, despite what the political parties are saying. Average Canadian embraces the concept of free speech. Why are our politics seemingly so out of line with what the average Canadian wants, right? Because we have a democratic system. You, you, we would imagine that our politicians are representative would be enacting legislation that represents us, our best interests, our beliefs. It seems as if something's happened there where it's not happening. Uh, absolutely. You know, 49% of Canadians are saying that they want fewer immigrants. Only 6% of them are saying they want more. So the question is why the other political parties are not embracing that. Um, I think it's it's a fear, fear of uh, the mainstream media. Uh, they don't have any conviction. Uh, they think that, you know, if you want fewer immigrants, yes, people can call you, you're a racist because of that. But I know that I'm not a racist, you know, uh, and they don't want to have the debate. So I think it's the extreme political correctness in this country. And all these politicians, uh, the, the liberal, the conservative, the NDP, the green, uh, they're extremely political correct, uh, politically correct. And so, so um, it's too bad. That's why we have populist movement in Europe, populist movement in other countries. And yes, we are a populist political party, but a smart populist uh, party because our, our platform, it's based on serious reform, bold reform, and, and we are listening to people. But we don't do any compromise with our principle, and that's important. But these are the politicians. I think they don't have the maybe they don't have any conviction, and if they have conviction, they don't have any courage to express their conviction. Uh, and and so so for us, it's a huge opportunity. Maybe it's the fear of the response from the mainstream media. And we we see that the media has been, I would say, pretty vicious, frankly, in tackling some of these issues. As someone who is trying to found new party and trying to get as much excitement for the election coming up as possible, what has your experience been dealing with the media and expressing these types of opinions? Well, first of all, I must admit that uh, the last September, uh, September to mid-January, I had a very good coverage by the mainstream media, more than the NDP, more than the green together uh, because I think the mainstream media were saying, you know, Bernie won't win. It's only a one-man show and the plane won't take off. So they were covering me. That was funny for them. <laughs> and uh, and But after that, in January, 
when they saw that we're a real party, we have riding associations all across the country. We have 312 uh, candidates right now. We'll have a full slate of candidates before uh, the end of this month uh, or maybe early September. And we just had uh, our first uh, national conference in Ottawa last weekend. So now <laughs> I think they look, they're looking at us and if we uh, give some coverage to Bernie, that will help him. And that's why it's a little bit more difficult right now to uh, to be in the social media. They they don't follow us a lot. We had a, we had our convention, five hundred people from all across the country. After eleven months, we're a real political entity, real political movement, and we had only one uh, mainstream media, uh, CBC and Radio Canada. Uh, Global wasn't there. CTV wasn't there. It's important. Something is happening in this country. So, yes, I'm a little bit disappointed by the coverage that we have right now from the mainstream media. That's why it, it would be very important for us to be part of the national debates during the campaign. Right. And we're going to get to the debate fiasco in just a little bit. But for, I think, a lot of people, they imagine Canada is not a two-party system. But in essence, it almost functions that way, right? Mm, you have yeah. liberals and conservatives. You used to be a part of the conservative yes. party. Uh, you've since left. Would you mind touching a little bit about about what the main differences you see between the party you're in now, the PPC, and mm. the Conservatives, because I think a lot of people, uh, they, they look at the new party and th they think, you know, if uh, he was even a Conservative before, why should I switch over? Uh, <laughs> why split the vote? Those kinds mm. of questions. Yeah, first of all, because the Conservative Party of Canada is not Conservative anymore, and that's not me who's saying that. Uh, Andrew Scheer said it, it was last November in an interview with the uh, Toronto Star. He said, under my leadership, the Conservative Party of Canada, it's a centrist, pragmatic political party with lots of ideas for a lot of people. So <laughs> the translation is, I don't have any vision for this country. I don't have any ideas. Tell me what you want to hear and I will repeat it. So uh, th th there's no conviction there. And the, the best example is when I was running for the leadership of that party uh, three years ago, uh, I had a real uh, conservative free market platform, uh, less government intervention in our day-to-day -day life, uh, more freedom, lower taxes, uh, get rid of the cartel for dairy, poultry, and eggs, and all that. Uh, but the leader told me it was last August uh, last year that, you know, Maxime, everything that you believe in, it won't be part of our platform. So for me, the conservative is not conservative anymore. And 49% of the conservative members uh, voted for me. So these ideas were very popular with the conservative, uh, with the membership of the Conservative Party of Canada. And Andrew Scheer said, you know, we won't uh, have any of your ideas. So now the Conservative Party is not conservative. That's what I'm saying to people. It's not conservative anymore. They're a centrist party. They're doing a lot of polling, a lot of focus group to know what they believe in. And uh, and at the end, they are, rep they are repeating that. And they just want to be a centrist. And without uh, having debates on real issues like immigration, like uh, foreign aids. So uh, I'm saying to these people, look at it, look at our platform and go on the conservative uh, website and look at their platform. Uh, we're ready to build pipeline. We have a policy on that. Equalization, it's unfair. I know there's a, uh, an independentist movement in uh, Western Canada because of the equalization formula and pipelines. And the main uh, politician like Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau don't want to tackle that. And we have a policy for that. So they're not conservative anymore. And, and uh, that's why the People's Party is based on our principles. And we, we want to bring more freedom and 
limited government, but we are saying also to Canadians how we will do that by uh, privatization of Canada Post, uh, cutting the CRTC in the telecom industry, uh, abolishing the cartel. So we have bold reform for being sure that we'll have a government that will respect Canadians, respect taxpayers. So we are a real free market political party. And uh, if people want to have real change in this country, they just have to look at our platform. And something, I have one friend in particular who's a big supporter of the Conservative Party. She has asked me why I support the PPC <laughs> and, you know, why split the vote. And the response that I give her is that if, if I didn't support the PPC, it doesn't mean I would cons- support the Conservative Party because mm. I don't support the Conservative Party. It's it's kind of unfair to tell Canadians you have to pick the lesser of two evil mm. if neither of them represent your views. Um, so obviously- but, but, but it, it is, it is uh, Andrew Shearer, he is splitting the vote. He is splitting the, the Liberals' vote. Mm-hmm. He's a centrist party, so he's splitting the Liberal votes. And what we're doing, we, we, we stay firm and honest to our principles and ideas and values, and we are pushing for that. So I'm telling people... Just don't vote against something. Vote uh, for something. Vote for what you believe in. Vote for something. Vote for your values and go see our website and go see our platform and you'll see uh, our platform. It's authentic. Uh, what I'm saying right now, I said that the last 10 years in politics. So that's why it's my best time in politics. No compromise. Uh, doing doing politics based on conviction and, and, and not consensus. And I think it's the, it will be, uh, at the end, we will uh, create a big surprise in a couple of uh, weeks from now. Well, I mean, speaking of the, the outreach that the PPC is doing right now, I have heard some people bring up, hey, um, you know, we see you don't have any female-centered outreach, yeah. you know, for, for women, yeah. uh, you know, for, for new immigrants. Uh, you've mentioned that the Conservative Party, the Liberal Party, they're very good at trying to appeal to these certain demographic yeah. groups. What would you say to people who look at the PPC's approach and say, hey, because I don't see like anything for me, particularly based on my, I don't know, race, race gender, or... religion, whatever, that are you guys not for me? What do you think of that mentality? No, we are for everybody. We don't pander to uh, to every ethnicity or special interest group. And the Conservative Party of Canada, they are doing that. They call it that outreach. Uh, I call that pandering. Uh, so I'm, I'm telling to these people, for me, you're Canadians. You're Canadians first. Yes, you can be a Canadian from Chinese origin. You can be a Canadian from uh, uh, Indian origin. That's perfect. But you came here to share our values, and now you're a Canadian. And I think people appreciate that what I'm saying because I respect them. And so I won't, I, I won't pander. I'm, I'm looking at them as a Canadians, and, and, and that's great. But the other political party, they're doing identity politics. And I won't play that game. I don't, I don't play that. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, for me, everybody is a Canadians first, and we must celebrate our country. And I think it's I, you were originally the one who said it's not diversity, it's unity that is our yeah, strength. Absolutely, yeah. And everybody came here because to have a better life, to because they believe in a free market, in a free system, in a free society. So let's celebrate that. Mm-hmm. So looking forward, elections are, are coming up. Uh, you mentioned the debate earlier. Yeah. As it stands right now, you are not a f- not yeah. going to be there. Um, would you mind explaining the process that led to their decision? And do you think you have the right to be there, um, you know, up on stage with Sheer and Trudeau talking about these issues before voters? I'm looking forward to be there for sure. <laughs> but first of all, it's a process in two steps. The first step, the commissioner, uh, Mr. Johnston, uh, told us that we respect only, we respected only one criteria. There's two 
criteria that we must respect. And he said, you know, you have until uh, the end of August to prove me that you can be in the uh, in the debate. And the final decision will be September the 16th. So, yes, I'm pretty optimistic that he will change his uh, first decision, preliminary decision, based on, on, on the reality. We're a real political party. We're a real political uh, movement. We have writing association all across the country. We have great ideas. We are able to raise money. And in his mandate, he must take into account the recent political context that's written like that is in his mandate. And he didn't look at it for his first primary, primary decision. So that's why I believe that uh, in uh, two weeks, three weeks from now, the decision will be different. I hope so. Because I was um, very happy to see and to read that uh, a lot of uh, national commentators in different uh, newspaper, uh, they were saying, maybe we don't like what Bernie is saying, maybe we don't like his ideas, but he must be there. And if we're not there, that won't be a real debate. Because all these political parties on immigration, they have the same policy. On balancing the budget in two years, they have the same policy. Scheer and Trudeau said that they won't balance the budget in one term. They will do that in five years. On, on the UN, they have the main platform. On the, on the uh, foreign aid, they have the same platform. So it's all about the same with superficial differences. So we need to, do, to be there. And also we are a voice for these people. If we're not there, it's not a real debate. And, and it's not good for the democracy. You know, when you have 49% of Canadians that want fewer immigrants, if we're not there, they won't have a voice. They won't have a voice. Uh, when you have people who want to balance the budget, maybe uh, in two years, maybe 20% of them, if we're not there, they won't have a voice. So we need to be there for the good of our democracy. So I hope that Mr. Johnson will understand that in his uh, final decision. And if we're there, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will answer a question and I will ask question also. That would be fun. What would be the biggest question or point you want to bring up to uh, Mr. Justin Trudeau should you happen to be on the debate and have that opportunity. Yeah. So uh, explain us about why always more and more diversity is good for this country. Why you are for mass immigration. Tell me why that, that's good for this country. I can ask Andrew Scheer why you don't want to balance the budget in two years. It's easy to do that. You are, you, you are like Trudeau. You want to spend, spend, spend. It's not fair for the future generation. People will have to pay for that without having any benefits right now. So why do you want that? It's easy to balance the budget. Cut the CBC. Uh, abolish the, the, the CRTC intellectual come do all these reform and you'll save a lot of money and you'll be able to balance the budget and lower taxes. I will ask the, the Green, where is the uh, climate change emergency? Why are you saying that if people don't vote for you, everybody will die in Canada before the next election? She tweeted about that, actually. So yeah, that, would be, that would be fun. We'll ask the right, the, the real question and, and we'll see because if we're not there, the journalists won't ask this question. They won't. They won't. There may be for them politically incorrect question. No, no, we have to write to ask this question, and I will. Uh, I'll ask uh, uh, the NDP why they always want a bigger and bigger and bigger government and, and registrate money. The, the most important is to respect taxpayers and having lower taxes. It, it's, it's not good for the poor when you are uh, having a big government because it's against the growth in our country. The more you have, the, the, the bigger you have a, the government, the smaller is the private sector. So I can ask to the NDP leader why you're not against corporate welfare. Why? You know, you want to give big long to big corporation like GM and Bombardier? 
Why? You know, we want to abolish that and it would be a fair policy for every entrepreneur. They will have a flat tax rate at 10%. So there's a lot of questions to ask. If, you, if you're supposed to work for the poor, you must be against the cartel in dairy, poultry and milk. And they're not against that. Why? A Canadian family is paying $400 more for that. Why are you not against corporate welfare? So that would be, that would be a real debate. That would be fun. <laughs> well, I think what's hopefully going to happen, you get on the debate stage, uh, you make a splash, ask questions nobody else would. And, you know, we, we can hope you are the next Prime Minister of Canada. But uh, I think more realistically, for the immediate short-term future, the PPC will hopefully get a few seats yeah. and have to cooperate with a Conservative government. What would the agenda be for your party if that does happen? Um, you know, if you find yourself where, you know, we there are more PPC members in Parliament than just you right now, what will be, I guess, plan one? What areas will you focus on specifically, assuming you have to work with the Conservatives? Yeah, uh, first of all, yes. Uh, if I'm not Prime Minister, the worst case scenario for us is to have the balance of power. And mm -hmm. I think we can have the balance of power. Look what happened in BC. Only three Greens are controlling the government over there. So we can have the balance of power and we won't do any compromise with our ideas. So I will ask the minority government to balance the budget, to look at the immigration, so if they want our support, they will have to do some compromise with their position. We yeah. won't. So we won't do. But that's why it can be it can be good for the country because we'll have this kind of debate in the House. And if they want our support, they will have to come on our side on some, not all our policies, but some policies. And I think the most important for us right now, it's immigration and also uh, the taxation and, and, and pipelines. So these three policies uh, are very important for the future of this country, for the unity and prosperity of, of our country. So that will be a priority. If they want our support, they will have to come on our side on a couple of our policies. So for anyone who may be watching this right now and likes what you're saying and wants to help support the party, what are the best ways to do that as, as a party that's new and growing and, and hopefully looking to make a splash in the elections? So first of all, uh, peoplespartyofcanada.ca, that's our website, all our platform if, they're, they, if they want to know their candidates and their writing, we have the list of all our candidates in every province. Uh, also, they can go on Twitter and uh, follow me and follow the party on Twitter, Twitter, Maxime Bernie and the People's Party of Canada. Uh, we are also on YouTube, uh, but I must improve that. I need to do more videos, so I'll do it. Um, and so they can find us online. But what I'll ask them, just look at our platform. I, you know, if you don't like what you're doing, it's okay. You can vote for the other party. But I just want you to have a look to our platform. And if you like it, I hope that you'll be with us. If not, it's okay. You know, we cannot please everybody, and we understand that. But at least... Take a step and go on our website and read our platform and, and compare our platform with uh, other platform. But it's very difficult to find the Conservative uh, Party of Canada platform right now. But try to find their ideas and, and vote. Having a vote, uh, it's important. When you have 30% of the population that didn't vote at the last election, the participation rate was 70%. So I, I want these people to come and vote. And, and, and the best way to, 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 to vote and know what you're doing look at the platform and put them in competition. And what would you say to people who maybe want to be more vocal about their political opinions, maybe support for you, support for the party, maybe just specific issues in general, but who are scared to do so, right? I mean, we've seen that people who do come forward, perhaps like yourself, yeah. uh, and say that, 
let's have a conversation about lower immigration levels. Yeah. Um, you know, let's have a conversation about things like free speech. They are demonized. And unfortunately, yeah. I think if we're talking about the everyday Canadian who maybe feels like they don't have that much stake in these issues, that can be enough for them to stay silent. What would your message be? No, I think it's important. It's important. They must speak. They must go out there. They must speak to their friends. They must speak to their family, to their colleagues. Uh, that's important because they are not alone. They are not alone. And, and, and I think we have the silent uh, majority with us. But I want these people to be on side and to speak. And the more they speak, the better it will be for their ideas and our ideas. So express yourself. Uh, you know, we have the right ideas. It's based on freedom and personal responsibility. That's the Western civilization value. So don't be shy. Speak about it and, and, and express your point of view. You, you'll see you'll have a lot of support. When you do that, you, you'll see you'll have some support. And, and you, can, you can retweet my tweet. You can go on social media. And, uh, but also speaking with the real, real person, uh, your friends, your family, that's too important. That's too important for your own future, but also for the future of our country. Well, Mr. Bernier, thank you so much for coming. Uh, we hope to see you on the debate stage. Yeah, I hope they'll be there. <laughs>